Do please turn with me this morning to Genesis, the book of Genesis, in chapter 3, and we're going to consider really just one verse this morning. Genesis 3 and verse 6. This is about, and this is our title, The Fall of Humanity. I just read that verse again. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat the fall of humanity. Well, we've been considering in the book of Genesis what we call foundations, foundations, those truths that we really need to know. There is no understanding in life unless you have biblical foundations, truths that are unmistakable. They're like cables running all the way through the Bible. And if you don't understand these, if you go wrong here, or you avoid them, pretend that they don't exist, you will not have a true understanding of life. You can pretend that they're not there. You can minimize their impact. Well, you'll end up with two things. If you don't believe in the fall of humanity, you will have a hopelessly optimistic view of life. You'll have no explanation for war. You'll have no understanding of anger. You won't understand why people become inveterate liars. How can you explain how each one of us are beset with sin. It's our nature. How do you explain that without the word of God? So you might have a hopelessly optimistic view of life and you will be disappointed again and again, let down. So and so, they've let me down. Whereas if you have the Bible's understanding, you'll have a realistic view of life and you'll know because human nature is understood. Or, maybe not an optimistic view of life, but you'll try to treat all the effects. You'll think that there's a tablet to deal with lying. There's a tablet to deal with anger. You'll think there's a government policy that can fix it. You'll be very disappointed. Tablets can do some things, but they can't get to the heart of the issue, which is the issue of the heart. That's the heart of the matter, the matter of my heart. That's my biggest problem. Not you. My biggest problem is me, my heart. And it's the same with you as well. Do you know, to try to pretend... There is no fall, there was no fall of humanity. It's like having a big boil, a boil that's throbbing, full of pus. 
It's painful. The skin has gone red like a dome over the infected area. And you know what people do? Let's just bandage it up. Cover it up. Pretend it's not there. That won't get rid of it. The boil needs to be lanced. Sometimes it may be an operation is needed. It's like somebody who goes to the doctor. The doctor says, I'm so sorry. You've got a terrible cancer. And my best estimation, he or she says, is you've got two weeks to live. Two weeks. The cancer has really got into you. It's a disease that's not reversible. You've got two weeks, it might be three. The person leaves the doctor's surgery and says, I don't believe you. I'm just going to eat, drink, and be merry. I won't die tomorrow, I'll die when I choose. Two weeks later, the person dies of the cancer. Because do you know this condition, sin, depravity, we call it total depravity. It doesn't mean that everything we do is sinful, no. But it means that every department, every faculty of our life, every sense has been affected by sin irreversibly. Well, this is the explanation for all these things. Anger, lies, cheating, hostility, selfishness. We know these things, they're characteristics of our lives. Do you know they called the First World War the Great War? The war to end all wars. So they told us it ended on the 11th of November, 1918. And there was a decade that followed, and it was very optimistic. Ten years. War is over. No more war. Never be a war like it. Maybe a few skirmishes, but not a war that sucks in the east, the west, the north, the south. How long was it till the Second World War? Started on the 1st of September, 1939. Just over 20 years. A second, worse, world war. The age of optimism was over. Hostility hadn't been ended once and for all. The optimism faded. And look at us today. Not quite a hundred years later, now we're plunged again. It's not a world war, but it's affecting the world, every economy, Every life in the world, one way or another, is being affected by the war that's going on at this time in Europe. It's a great lie, isn't it? A great lie of Satan. You will not die. There won't be any consequences for sin. Hostility can be over. No, that's not what's happened. So we go back to the word of God. 
Do you know there is not one other explanation for why your life and my life and the world today is as it is. Governments don't explain this. They don't go with manifestos saying the problem is sin. They say let's just spend a bit more. Let's tax a bit more or tax a bit less. We can solve the problems. Education. The problem is so much deeper than that. The problem is lasting. Ever since Genesis 3, the problem has continued. And it can only be treated one way. The Lord Jesus Christ is the only hope. Let's come then to our text. We see here the divine explanation. This is so profound. Don't ever think this is a fable, a fairy tale, a story. There is a depth of theology. There is a depth of understanding in this one sentence that nothing else gets near explaining. If you come to this verse and see what's happening, this is the dawning of truth in your life. This is the acknowledgement of the real problem. This is the start of the pathway that leads to life. This is the foundation for the gospel. It shows us our need. It shows us why every wrong thought, wrong word, and wrong deed has occurred. So let's look at it. My first heading this morning. The anatomy, the explanation for and of the fall. Everything that we see here, Satan is deliberate, devious, dishonest, deceitful, and deceptive. Let's see what happens when the woman saw. That's the beginning. She sees. They say you can't help what you see, but you can help what you look at. And there's a good deal of truth in that. As we see in this verse, she didn't just see the tree that was banished and barriered. She came and looked at it again. She saw it was pleasant to the eyes. She saw it and she looked and looked again and again and took it in and started to desire. John Bunyan says, ear gate and eye gate. Well, is that what happens here? Yes, it is. Go back to the beginning verses. Verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle, and he said, he gave the lie. Has God said? Well, he had said. He questioned what God said. He questioned whether it was right, whether it had been said, whether it was true. He questioned. The first entry into the life is either through the ear or through the eye. That's what Eve heard. That's what she sees. And isn't that true with us? When 
we're tempted to sin. It's either something we hear, or it's something we see. If we hear it, we're tempted not to believe it. We're tempted to believe the lie, not to believe God's truth. If it's something we see, we know there's a barrier around it. God has said, don't touch, don't eat, don't go near. We see it, we start to think about it, we take it in. But it's good, it's desirable, I want it. Lust wells up inside us. My friends, you can deny all this. You can pretend there's no God, no Bible. You can try and give me some other explanation for the problems in your life and my life. You won't get anywhere near it. This is the timeless explanation for why I am the way that I am. Thomas Watson said, Satan never sets a dish before men that they don't love. Why is it a fruit, not a vegetable? Because it was sweet. It was to be desired. Sweet to the taste. It probably wasn't an apple. Some people think it was a mango. We don't know. But it was sweet. It was desirable for all, most people. Nearly everybody likes sweet things. So Satan comes. What's his method? Temptation. He's never changed it. He didn't need to. It's always temptation that comes before the fall into sin. He puts a voice into the head. He puts a picture, an image, before the eyes. Something that sounds attractive. Something that looks attractive. This is exactly what it says in this verse. Ear gate, eye gate. What does Eve do? She has a choice. We always have a choice. The problem is that Nine times out of ten, eight times, for the natural man or woman, we make the wrong choice. We believe the lie. We believe that it will be good. It will be pleasant. It will make us wise. She has a choice. Does she go near? There would have been a distance in between her and the tree, I'm sure, because she was looking. She goes, those steps, one step nearer, nearer, nearer. She has a choice. Her mind is battling. Shall I go or shall I stay? Shall I touch or shall I leave it? That's what happens every time we sin. We go a bit nearer. And a bit nearer, temptation. There's a process of evaluation going on within. Into the mind is what we've heard or what we've seen. Then it goes into the heart. 
And that faculty of choice and desire gets welled up within us. And when the thought has entered the heart, instead of stopping it, resisting it, rejecting it, that's what we should do. But we don't. We take it in. Temptation. That's the anatomy in one word. That's what Satan does again and again. He says, go for it. Try it. Test it. Taste it. Take it in. You'll love it. It will be good for you. Of course, that's not true. Our second heading. The anatomy of the fall. Secondly, what happens? The rejection. There's going to be a rejection of three things. The first one, the rejection of truth. That's what this is really about. You see two propositions are put into Eve's ears and before her eyes. The first is the truth. How do I know it's the truth? Because it's what happened. God says, touch it, you'll die. Eat it, you'll die. Go near it, you'll die. There will be consequences. That's the truth. The first proposition. The second is the lie. How do I know it's a lie? Because it was proven to be wrong. We know that. This is the lie. I'm going to slightly amplify it. Satan says to Eve, you are not free. God is being unreasonable. He should have let you take from every tree. You won't die. There will be no consequences. There's no such thing as death and punishment. There's no accountability. Live as you please. Do as you want. Use your body the way you wish. No consequences. No disease. Is that true? Is that what's happened? Of course, it's a pack of lies. Notice that Satan does not deny the existence of God. Isn't that interesting? The atheist goes one step further than Satan. Satan, no, he doesn't say God isn't there. He says God is unreasonable. God is denying you something you deserve. Something that should be yours. The great lie. The two. One is the opposite of the other. One says death. The other one says no death. One says touch that, you'll be damaged. The other one says you won't. You see, it's the opposites. Do you know the gospel is the opposite of the, the lie of Satan. Let me tell you two reasons. You see, what happened is when that fruit was taken, the freedom that God had given was lost. And it will be lost for all of us until God alone reverses it in Christ. He says, if you will be free, you will be free indeed. 
I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. That's the first way in which the curse is reversed. The second is we died. Death, spiritual death, physical death. The death of freedom will be slaves. And Christ comes to reverse that death. Now we have life, abundant life, freedom, freedom from sin, freedom from Satan, freedom from the chains of death because we will rise to be with him. What's Eve's response? She rejects truth. She doubts God's goodness. She questions the unreasonableness of not being able to eat. She believes the lie. She desires the fruit. She's ruled by her heart, not by her head. Be careful of that. Be careful when your passions get hold of you. We make the worst decisions when our passions are fired up. She was ruled by her heart, not by her head. She wanted to be wise. She would become a fool. She took the fruit, something sweet, And notice what she does. She can't help herself. She's got to share it. She seeks endorsement, the stamp of approval from Adam, her husband. Do you know people say that Eve sinned first? I don't believe it. I believe that they sinned at the same time. Adam, through neglect, through what he didn't do, And Eve, by what she did do, but they were equally culpable. Let's look at Adam's response. First thing he did was to forget his calling to lead. That's critical. In a marriage, one's to lead, one's to follow. You can't have two riding on a horse side by side. One must lead, the other must follow, but Adam didn't. He followed, and Eve led. He deserted any evaluation. Look what it says in verse 6. Eve took, she desired, she saw Adam. He did eat. Brain was turned off. No assessment, no evaluation. He had already reneged upon his duty to lead, to protect, to guide his dear wife. And he was ruled as well by the heart and not by the head. So we have the rejection, total rejection of truth. They swallowed hook, line and sinker, the pack of lies of Satan. And so do we. Again and again, every time I sin, I believe a lie, or many lies. But thirdly, and the second rejection is the rejection of authority, rejection of truth, now the rejection of authority. In fact, there's three levels of authority which Eve rejects. Firstly, her conscience. 
Her conscience was screaming at her, don't stand where you are. Believe the truth. Don't believe the lie. The God who's been so good to you, he's given you everything, every tree that's good to eat, a husband to protect you. The conscience has already been written on. Truth within. And she says, no, I'll ignore it. I'll put the first bruise within my conscience. And every time after becomes easier to ignore. She rejected the authority of her husband. She didn't go to Adam and say, can I? Shall I? Should I? She'd already eaten. I believe that Adam saw her. I don't know. Because it seems so quick. He did eat. But there's a third level of authority. Conscience steamrolled. Husband ignored. I'm going to be the leader, says this woman. That's the problem in many marriages. Sometimes the husband doesn't lead and the wife has to. Sometimes decisions have to be taken and the husband doesn't do what he's there to do. He doesn't lead. He doesn't lead and protect and guide. So the wife has to step in. But the problem was because the husband didn't lead. So the third level of authority is the ultimate authority. Do you know God in Romans 13, he delegates powers to governments, to churches to some extent, and to husbands and families and parents. And then in society we allow school teachers and others to have authority. If you reject one of those authorities, God says, you reject the ultimate authority. God has given multiple levels of authority to suppress evil. That's why we have police. That's why we have MPs. We might not think they do a good job, but God says you are to respect them. Even when you don't agree with them. As long as they are not suppressing what is good, you're to follow them. This here is the ultimate. You see how sophisticated this verse is. The rejection of conscience. The rejection of God's pattern for the family. And the rejection of God's word and its authority and God himself who rules over every heart or should do. Why did we fall? Man has been put in a lofty position above the animals to govern them, to rule them. But from now on, you and me will just be like animals, making choices by instinct, passion, no rule, no truth, no Ten Commandments, 
No right and wrong, no conscience, gone. That's what the fall does. But there's a third rejection, our fourth point this morning. This is important. Do you know what was really being rejected by Eve and Adam? Was the goodness of God. The goodness of the Creator who made all things very good. Who gave Adam and Eve everything they needed. A canopy above them to protect them so they didn't have to work and toil. He gave them the ability to know right from wrong. He put a fence around them to protect them. He gave them each other. He gave them food to eat. And Eve said, no, no, no. I don't want my conscience. I don't want my husband. I don't want God and his truth. Self-determination. From now on, I make the shots, I call the shots, I make the decisions, I'm the chief honcho, says the woman and the man, no God, no authority. Oh, this is bleak, it's not. This is how we understand ourselves. This is why there's war in Ukraine. This is why there's divorce and breakup. This is why pornography is sweeping the nation online, touching, looking, going to where we should not go, should not touch, should not look. You explain it any other way. The government wants to have a rule. It's good to protect teenagers from pornography. You can't do that by a law. The only way is the heart to be changed. Can I reverse this problem with a bandage, a tablet, a sticking plaster? No. We need a saviour. There is only one saviour. The Lord Jesus Christ. He reverses everything that happened in the fall. Next time, or the time after, when I preach again, God willing, we'll look at the consequences of the fall. There's many and they're varied. But you know, all of them can be and have been reversed by the Lord Jesus Christ coming from heaven to be our ruler, to be our authority. What does he call himself? I am the way, the truth, the life. There's no sticking plaster in that. God is the one through Christ who's come to point the new way, the truth that always was the truth, and the life that can be known in him. Are you bound by the fall? Is your life characterized by the things that we've looked at, driven by impulse, driven by lust, driven by lawlessness, 
Or have you come to see your need? To be awakened? Is there somebody here this morning and you once loved the Saviour? You've slidden backwards. Your life is determined by self-rule. I call the shots, my way or the highway. No, that should not be. If you want to come back to Christ this morning, ever, only, all for him, you surrender your life again or for the first time to Christ and you say, Sovereign Ruler of the skies, ever gracious, ever kind, ever wise. He's the one that should rule my life, my eyes, my lips, my ears, my heart, my life. He's to be my leader. I want to love him. I want to live for him. And I want to do what he would have me do. And then the fall of this terrible, terrible curse can be reversed. One day when we shall see him in heaven, it will be fully reversed. No more sin, no more curse, no more death, no more sorrow. Everyone that's bereaved, no more separation because we shall see him and our loved ones who died in Christ.